Some kids collect insects. Others collect dolls. Harriet M. Welsh collects secrets. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is Harriet the Spy. Welcome to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we are covering a 90s classic, Harriet the Spy. I will say that, and I know you disagreed on my choice of tagline for this movie, but even just saying that tagline brought me back, like, how many years ago was the 90s? Like, 30 years? It's interesting you say that, because I had no memory, and thus no nostalgia, of this movie at all. I recognized the name, but I had never seen it before. I don't know what VHS it was, but one of my VHSs that I watched over and over had this as remember when there was like trailers before your VHS. So whatever movie that was, I saw this trailer over and over. So I remember that part because it's used in the trailer. Oh, the tagline. Yeah. But you never actually saw the movie. Oh, I did. No, I saw it at least once or twice. Yeah. I saw the trailer more than I ever saw the movie. Ah, okay. Anyway, so yes, Harriet the Spy. What year this came out? 97? 1996. Starring Michelle Trachtenberg. And Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, her also Michelle, as I said, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Was this before or after she was on? Because she was on Pete and Pete, wasn't she? Uh, We could check on IMDb. I can't really say I followed her career that closely. I feel like she was in Pete and Pete, which is a show that most of the world has forgotten. But I just want to throw that back out there. (laughs) No, you're correct. From 1994 to 1996. Was that an animated show or was it live action? It was live action about two brothers named Pete. Both named Pete. So, do you want to get started with our plot synopsis from IMDb? All right, here we go. Harriet M. Welsh is a spy, but when her friends find her secret notebook, the tables are turned on her. Can she win her friends back and still keep on going with the spy business? Now, spoiler alert, that doesn't actually happen until halfway through the movie. <laughs> well, you have to set up other stuff, too. And I mean, just start off the bat, the, it is in the title, Harriet the Spy, but... She's not a real spy. It's not like spy kids where we have kids who are actually spies. She is a spy in the sense that she is gathering intelligence about the world around her, but she's not reporting that intelligence to anyone or anything. She is not a professional spy. She's a kid pretending to be a spy, but she still does more spy stuff than, say, James Bond, who goes around killing (laughs) other spies. Just getting back to the plot thing, as probably no one is surprised here, I did read a lot as a kid, and this book is the same level as like Beverly Cleary books, like Ramona and Beezus and Super Fudge. And I remember a lot of those books, much like Childhood itself, is a series of unconnected vignettes rather than a overarching plot. So although it did sort of annoy me in this movie that no plot developed until about halfway through, I understood why they were doing it. I wouldn't say that there's no plot developed, but well, let's get into it. So we start off with our title sequence, which I like the jazzy music. And then so you see like bits of the magnifying glass and other of her spy gadgets. And then randomly like fruits, like we saw some what mango steam and there's like, that's like an Asian fruit. I was was curious to see that. And it turns out that the reason you see it is because it's at an Asian market and Harriet's taking notes on everything going around. Yeah, a couple people in the credits jumped out. We already mentioned, but also Eartha Kett. Ah, yes. Yes, I saw. I noticed that as well. So yeah, she's surveying Hong Fats. Or is it Hong Kong Fats? Nope, Hong Fat. Oh, okay. Hong Fats. And one thing that she noticed that jumped out to me was a kid on a leash. Highly (laughs) unusual in 1996. Not so much in 2021. Yes. Those were already a thing in 1996. I remember that. Well, just because they existed doesn't mean it was mainstreamed. Okay. She no- also notices a man stealing a wallet and surprises him and by like popping out of the place she was hiding. And that causes him to like fall into a bunch of eggs. So many eggs. Zach, did this anger you considering you have a lot of eggs in your diet lately? Nah, it's all good. But what was interesting to me was that I thought this would lead the movie in a very different direction. I thought she was going to become like a crime fighter. <laughs> Because, like, this is the only thing of any actual consequence that happens in the whole movie outside of the world that Harriet inhabits herself, if that makes sense. I guess I've seen too many Disney Channel original movies. By the way, I should say that this movie is by Nickelodeon. Yes, it's actually the very first movie by Nickelodeon. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yep. Next, go to her at her school, her friends Janie and Sport. And there's a 
popular kid who they hate named Marion Hawthorne, who is very snooty. You also hear about some of like all of her other classmates, including the boy with the purple socks who never speaks. Okay, yeah. Basically, she is a spy because she wants to be a writer. And the way that you become a writer is by making observations about the world around you. So mm-hmm. that's what she does all the time. She has her two friends. They're in the sixth grade. And I think it's interesting that they're in sixth grade in this movie because okay. sixth grade is very much a point of transition from elementary school to middle school and from childhood to more like teenagerhood. Mm-hmm. So like there's a couple yeah. points in the movie where they seem sort of immature for sixth grade and what we can get to them later. I just thought it was interesting because sixth grade isn't really I don't think of a sixth grader as like a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't. I completely disagree six i know that when you're in sixth grade you feel like you're practically an adult you're not mm-hmm. but they no they were they were acting appropriately for sixth graders i would say okay well do you remember in sixth grade do they get rid of recess do sixth graders have recess yeah no wait do they or don't they they don't you, <laughs> they do you not. asked a question and i said yes they did get rid of it Okay, so point is, I think I was getting at that is just a period of transition. Okay, Harriet's starting to grow up is what I'm saying. Yeah, and we'll get to what leads into that. But and then the other thing of note here is that Harriet and Marion, the popular girl, are both up for class president. And in addition to being class president and all that entails, they also are the one who get to edit their part of the school newspaper. Yeah, this confused me at first. It was explained later. I didn't understand why Harriet wanted to be class president. Because she doesn't seem to like the school or the other kids in it. It no, wasn't clear to me right that. here that it, they also get to edit the paper, which being someone who wants to be a writer, Harriet would love to do, I'm sure. So Harriet <laughs> does lose. And then her and Janie talk about how they would like to murder Marianne. Yeah, Janie's, Janie's a, got a bit of a dark streak to her. She's a bit intense. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if it was a kid watching it, this stuff would come off a little bit better. It's like, yeah, you know, kids give you a hard time. You joke about killing them. Whatever. That's normal. But it came off as strange to me. It was fine for me. I I remembered what movie we were watching. So I <laughs> did not get caught up into, oh, the attempted murder. <laughs> well, just because it keeps or coming proposed back. attempted murder, rather. There anyway, we go. so. Harriet has spy time. And so she has gets all her gadgets that she has, her flashlight, her... Um, her compact mirror, her binoculars, I assume there's a magnifying glass in there somewhere as well. She does mm-hmm. what I always enjoy, you know, the slow-mo of when you're putting your coat on, like throwing it over your shoulders. I always like that. Yeah, this was a good suiting up Even sequence. in a kid's movie. Yeah. Yep. So she's on a rooftop watching a man feed all of his, I think it was like 25 cats or something like that. Yeah, so she's looking around the neighborhood, just checking in on the usual people. It's interesting that it takes place in New York. I feel like a lot of Disney movies take place in like suburbia. Mm, depends but- on the movie. Anyway, but yeah, so as she's watching, she keeps mentioning someone named Golly. So we don't meet till later, but we that's... Uh, Rosie O'Donnell's character. We go back to someone's stoop, probably. I don't I don't remember where it's, but I just remember that they have two things that made it the most 90s thing ever. The giant pixie stick and the candy necklace. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to figure which was more 90s, the Spy Kids or this? Oh, this, definitely. Spy Kids was 2000s. Yeah, yes. but it had a lot of 90s elements. Where, let's not get into that again. No, no. It's, like the, the 90s fashion. I remember the 90s fashion. That was early 2000s, but okay. But yeah, so yeah, we, as we said, Golly is Rosie O'Donnell, who's Harriet's nanny. She takes them to a garden with, with lots of uh, like eclectic art that they get to you know, play around with. They do this thing where they have the fizzy soda drink and they like shake it up and wish for what you want most in the world. Harriet says she wants to see the whole world and write down everything. Yeah, I thought at first she was giving kids champagne. But I guess she's not that cool. Also, something that someone pointed out around this part is that it's the last day of summer, which is, again, like, I don't know if the movie was trying to go for a theme that may be a little too complimentary of a Nickelodeon original movie. Maybe it's from the book. But if it was, that is the end of summer is like a period of transition as well. The end of one thing and the beginning of something new. Yep. Golly putting Harriet to bed. Her mom and her dad are at some fancy party. And also find out that Harriet always brings a tomato sandwich with mayo to school every single day. Okay, what do you think about this? This tomato sandwich? Yeah. 
when I saw it, because she's cutting it with like a butter knife, I'm like, who cuts a tomato like that? And I realized, oh, she's a kid, and they won't let her have the big knife. I think she even mentions I would like mm-hmm. to have a real yeah. knife. Yeah. Okay, so again, this may be a little bit unfair, but I think the reason why she has oh, the same thing every boy. day Here is because she's like on the spectrum. Okay. Because I eat the same Whoa. thing every day, no. and I still think I might be on the spectrum. Okay. I still suspect it. My mom says I'm not, but I don't believe her. Or people can just know what they like and have it. That's fine, but why is it in the movie then? Why are they spending time with it? I'll if tell just... you why, because it's in the book. Okay, but then why is it in the book? Because it's a fun little thing that kids will relate to. Ooh, I like. I only like this thing like okay yes this, she may be in sixth grade but the kids who read the book are younger than that because they have, want someone to look up to and of course kids who are younger than that have, may have their favorite food that they want to eat every single day you know that's a good point i think kids do eat the same thing every day because they like yeah. it my personal head making can, way too big a deal of something. my personal head <laughs> can is that harriet is slightly on the spectrum i think it would explain a lot i mean there's nothing wrong with that but i just don't think that's implied anywhere in the movie but let's move on <laughs> Okay. She goes back to the Hong Fats uh, Food Emporium, I think is what it's called. She does some spying and notices what looks like someone, you know, giving away or stealing produce. That's right. We also hear about Frankie, who's the grandson of the family who wants to borrow the truck for a date. Parents and grandparents are not having any of it. (laughs) A common problem, I'm sure. Even though they live in New York, so you'd think not having a truck wouldn't be as big of a deal. Hmm. Harriet also says that Frankie is American-style cool as opposed to his family, which are Chinese-style cool. I would like to know what that means, both of them. I, I don't want to. I want to know what it means to be American-style. It literally cool. means that he's more Americanized than his family. But I appreciate that he. She thought that both were cool. Yes, that is very nice. That, of that's understand. literally all it means. But yeah, let's let's <laughs> move on. So. Harriet is in the bath and she overhears her parents shouting. Apparently her dad is having problems at work. Here's the most 90s thing. Talk to the hand. That is extremely 90s, yes. <laughs> Harriet says goodnight to her parents, but Golly is the one to tuck her in, not her mother. Her mother even offers and she says, no, Golly can do it. And mm-hmm. we go back to our trio who are on the steps at school laughing at the terribleness of Marion's writing in the school paper. Marion writes about horse riding and you know is has a like backhanded thing about you know for those of you too poor to know about horse riding <laughs> again i don't think she said that i think that was more it's implied pretty no no <laughs> it's literally something exactly to the, almost those exactly those words That's i wish hilarious. i had written it down yeah yeah so the parents have another night out and we find out that golly is cooking bratwurst which raises alarm bells for harriet because she knows that golly hates bratwurst yeah it was mentioned earlier there's someone at the door and it happens to be the guy who harriet saw potentially stealing produce whose name is george we got water or something 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 german because that's why he eats bratwurst yeah i think so so seemingly golly is having a date night at the house while she's watching harriet yeah, that's and not very professional, but no. maybe they okayed that already. But more to the point, Golly is like sleeping it. with the enemy, a potential veggie thief. <laughs> yes. I was expecting, the, again, the movie to take a very different turn from what it did. Well, there's there's parts, I like this, where Harriet's like hinting, like dropping the word, word steal in a few times, stuff like that. Yeah, trying to get him to crack. And then also she's like help. also trying to kill the mood, like she's slurping her soup really loudly. And they get into a staring contest. Again, super 90s thing. I, I don't know. Do kids still do staring contests? I bet they do. They absolutely yeah. do. I feel like Gottlieb kind of deserves to have her mood ruined for bringing a date <laughs> to her babysitting or to bring a kid to her date. Either way, it's uh, a little bit much. But also, we noticed at this part that Harriet's family has a really nice house. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're decently well off, especially if they're going out to fancy parties. And they have what turns out to be a full-time nanny. Like Mary Poppins. <laughs> we also find out that George, the date, apparently used to have a business and a wife, a lots of money, but he was miserable and decided he wanted to start over. And he asked his wife to come with him, and she didn't. Do you think this so, was true? What? Do you think his story was true? Yes. Like, it turns out that it is true. But at the time, the audience thinks he's a veggie thief. So you can't trust him. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> it was just weird. Like, I didn't understand what the movie was doing. Mm, yeah, so Gully burnt the bratwurst, which Carolyn, who watched this with me, pointed out that she would have smelled it long before it got burned. 
Yeah, maybe she doesn't have a good sense of smell. And so instead, they end up going out to dinner and a movie, and they go to see Mata Hari starring Greta Garbo, something which we should cover at some point. Yeah, and I was like, Harriet, don't take the wrong lessons from this movie. <laughs> when Mata Hari's dancing around in like a sexy outfit. Yeah, and also I, I like how her and George have a pretend sword fight outside the theater. That that was mm-hmm. fun. No, again, it seems oh, like boy. George is like worming his way into their good graces. Oh, and something boy. terrible is going to happen. This is going to be one of those podcasts, isn't it? No, I'm <laughs> just saying has it was confusing. Theory about the entire movie. <laughs> it took a little bit for me to adjust my brain to what the movie I mean, was doing. You, I guess because I've seen it before, and also like I know that trailer, so I know what the stakes are here. <laughs> Apparently, the stakes are extremely low. Yes, no, they're extremely low. <laughs> <laughs> well the last one we saw was spy kids where the fate of the world was at stake and then sergeant stubby those are the only kids movies we've covered so far all right fair enough though i do appreciate that this was very different from them yeah so here's the stakes now so actually i like this so george is like so he's delivery boy for hong fat so he was, took them home on the bike and apparently the parents are home early and are pissed because they have no idea where their child is it's 3 a.m do you know where your ch- children are <laughs> Shoot, I missed that up. The mom is like, golly, this is it. You're fired. And then yeah. they're like, wait a minute. We went too far. Golly's like, you know what? She's in sixth grade now. I quit. Well, it's not I quit. It's more of a, I think it's time for me to leave. Yes. You know, and she says that Harriet can take care of herself now. And as this is going, Harriet's sneaking to listen, but gets caught. For, yes. <laughs> for a spy. Like they mentioned that the good spy is never caught, but she gets caught a lot. Well, she is just a kid. So they have a very, very long goodbye sequence here. It takes a really long time. Yeah, so Golly is waiting outside for her ride, looking very Mary Poppins. And yeah, this is where we figured it's a living nanny because she got all her luggage with her. Mm -hmm. But Golly gives Harriet a good speech on like how to move on, basically. As the cab's driving away, you know, Harriet's running alongside. It's one of those things. Mm Mm-hmm. And back at school, class is watching a girl-to-woman video. Puberty and first periods and all that sort of stuff. See, again, transition, growing up, coming of age. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you on that point. Though it is kind of surprising to see it. I wasn't sure what the target age for the movie is. Probably if it's like, like third, fourth graders, somewhere around there. Okay, because there's a part where they talk about boobs. I'm like, should a third grader really be watching a movie where they're talking about boobs? It's it's okay. just weird. <laughs> They already know that boobs are a thing at that age. I'm aware that they know that. It's another thing to have a studio executive signing off on a movie mm. directed at them. But that was the times. So you could get away with a little bit more back then. We also have Harriet still being sad about, you know, Golly yes. leaving. She goes through all her earlier notebooks. Her mom checks on her and doesn't do a very good job of checking. Just sort of like through the door. Are you okay? And she's like, I said I'm fine. And just leaves it at that. Well, that's the classic parent-child dynamic. The, the mom does seem a little bit out of touch. I mean, yeah. her nanny practically raised her kid, mm-hmm. so that would explain a lot. But yeah, so back to the cat guy. He like Yeah, the health department took all his cats, and not just took them all, but took them all in a bag. Like, just all <laughs> 25 cats in a bag. I'm like, seriously, yeah. come on. Like, it's something out of a Charles Dickens novel. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt bad for the guy. I mean, he was probably lonely without all of his cats. So back at the Hong Fat Market, we see that Frankie took the truck and wrecked it. We also see Sport is shopping at the market, and he's short on cash. And okay, his, I'm, I'm sorry, I have a quick question. And yes. I really I really am not trying to be difficult here. Oh, no, no, perhaps it's too late for that. But why is Frankie wrecking the truck in the movie? Like, why is it relevant? Eh, they barely talk about it. It's just, like, you see a shot of it past the truck, and... I don't think they like maybe even mentioned it briefly, but it's just to fill out this world that they have of all these things that are happening. And she's observing it. That's why, because they need stuff for her to observe. If there's nothing going on outside the world, there's nothing yeah. for her to observe. And then she can't be a spy. It is true that in real life, not everything you see when you walk down the street somehow becomes relevant later. That being said, here's oh, another theory. It's like Frankie wants to grow up and he takes the truck and he makes mistakes and he gets hurt. And the process, just like Harriet does later. How do you like that? Sure. But yeah, so in the market, we see Sport is shopping, buying groceries for his family, but Mm -hmm. he's short on cash. She comes in, says that he dropped a dollar outside and gives it to him. Next, we go back to the classroom. Teacher asks everyone for ideas for the school pageant. Yeah, everyone's really into it. Everyone has all these ideas they want to share. Yeah, Sport says pirates. 
JD says the Manhattan Project. I love that. She was like, I could be J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, and then the teacher uh, says, I think there might be a taste issue, <laughs> which is a hilarious way to describe it. She isn't willing yeah. to just say, no, that's a terrible idea. I, I would have watched hey, it, though. No, like, to be fair, kudos to the teacher for actually not just shutting down ideas and letting, listening to everything. I've had teachers where they just shut down ideas and then people just didn't want to volunteer anymore didn't want to speak anymore yeah the teacher has clearly been around for a while and knows what she's doing yeah but the one that get, ends up getting settled on is from marion which is a holiday feast so everyone's going to be a different piece of food i yes. wanted to mention harriet is an onion which has no relevance really oh no here we go an onion has layers Oh, that's not what and I was saying. It's layers, and it's the layers <laughs> of her growing into an adult. Wow, see? You're right uh, here with me. Oh I really God. like to see that. We got synergy going. But uh, what I was actually going to say is that there's a classic Calvin and Hobbes story where oh. Calvin is in a food play, and he's also an onion. Oh, so okay. That's a coincidence. A lot of those Calvin and Hobbes were written in, what, the 70s or 80s? It started in the 80s, and I think it finished in the yeah, early 90s. That's so right. probably before the movie was made. Again, this is something that was in the book, so it may have been a reference to that from when it was in the book. Yep. So they don't seem to like the idea. JD makes no. a joke about doing a chemical attack on the auditorium, which Let's I'm sure was hilarious in 1996, but doesn't play so well today. So we get more of Harriet spying on her neighborhood. She spies on Sport and his dad. She stacks a bunch of stuff in the alley to get to sneak up to their window. It's super precarious. Yeah, it's what they call second story work in the business. <laughs> And of course, everything underneath crashes as she's watching. Somehow they don't hear all the stuff falling down and crashing. Yeah. Sport is nonplussed by the fact that she's hanging out a window. I also noticed that. He didn't seem to mind that she was spying on them. But it's not exactly a secret that she spies on people. So I guess he's like, oh, there's that Harriet again. Well, doing what she does. Her friends know. I guess her family knows. But all the other kids in the neighborhood and everyone else in the neighborhood don't know. Well, yeah, people within her inner circle, though. Yeah, yeah. Sport's dad is a writer and doesn't always bring in a lot, so Sport is the one who cooks, cleans, and does the books. Yeah, he's basically an accountant, and he does everything for his yep. dad. Next, we go to a new house to spy on, which has a dog grooming van outside of it. Uh, see her using some classic misdirection, <laughs> where she pretends to just be a kid walking around playing with what I don't even know what that was. Not quite a yo-yo, but something. It looked similar to a yo-yo to yeah. me. Pomeranian from the dog grooming van comes out, gets given to a maid, and Harriet like bursts through the gate and gets to a door right before it closes and goes to sneak around inside the mansion. Yeah, this is really bold. She's mm -hmm. like basically breaking into somebody's house. Yep, yep. But if I guess the house is just too desirable of a target, she has mm -hmm. to know what's inside. Also, the dog is named Wee Wee, which is <laughs> yeah, like that's right. It's a pretty questionable name. The dog catches her, and so she, to escape the dog, she goes into a dumbwaiter and finds Eartha Kitt, Mrs. Plummer. Yeah, and she's talking like a vampire, or like <laughs> Bella Lugosi, where she's like, ah, da da, blah, 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 blah. I don't remember what she said. Just that the trick to life is never getting out of bed <laughs> and have big people bring stuff to you. She gets caught inside the dumbwaiter and does not, they don't call the cops, they just escort her outside. Yeah, but not before they do the thing that I like from these movies of the time where everyone screams. Harriet <laughs> screams, the maid screams, Eartha Kitt screams. The dog screams. <laughs> I assume the dog screamed. Yeah, she gets tossed out, and then it's like a real low point. She's thinking about giving up on being a spy altogether because she's not good at it. Yep, so back on the school steps, she's hanging out with her friends, and her friends invite her to the park, and say, or do you have to go do spy stuff? And... For once, Harriet says, no, I'll come hang out with you guys. So they are trying to decide on what game to play. Suggestions thrown up are Red Rover, Red Rover. That's a kid's game. <laughs> I was like, uh, you old kids. <laughs> Marion makes a suggestion where we'll play by the Volvo, where I'll oh, be God. a sales lady and you guys be couples. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. But what ends up being picked is Bumper Tag. Is that any different than regular tag? I could not see any difference. As far as I can tell, once you tag somebody, then you start wrestling. That's the only difference. <laughs> They're running around. Everyone's having fun. Harriet gets tagged and drops all her books and everything. And in the process, drops her notebook. Yeah, that says private on it in gigantic letters. I was like, oh, here we go. Finally, the plot is starting halfway through the movie. 
I mean, okay, your your arguments about plot. You have to set up the world and set up the fact that she does this, that she writes everything, and this is this is a kids movie, <laughs> and kids need that point hammered in. They need scenes of her actually doing this stuff and observations and all that sort of stuff. You know, maybe it's a little bit unfair to compare yes. this to Spy Kids. Hold on, to compare it to Spy Kids because Spy Kids I thought was a very good movie, let alone a kids movie. But I will say, you don't have to spend as much time as they did setting up the world. That is my opinion. We can disagree. That's fine. All right. So Marion takes the notebook and later Harriet discovers that it's missing and they find all the other kids besides Harriet and her two friends sitting on a bench reading it. They're like, Harriet has observations about everyone. So Marion reads aloud all of them. So we find out. So to be fair to the other kids, some of her stuff it's kind of like, all right, some of it's true, but some of it's just mean. The vast majority of it is mean. Uh-huh. We only hear what we're told is in the movie, but what we're told in the movie tends to be pretty negative mm-hmm. about the other kids. So I actually think this conflict is really interesting. And both Harriet and Marion come off crappy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yes, it was mean for Harriet to write it, but she never had any intention of it getting out. Yeah. We all vent about things that annoy us. I think that's the, the why you have a support system, like mm-hmm. people to talk to and also diaries. Yeah. And I'll bring this up now. I was going to wait yeah, for it to put it right now. But I think in the age of social media, this movie is way more relevant than it was when it was made. Hmm. Interesting. All right. You know, that that's one of your... That, I will give you... That's a fair point. Yeah. You and I know people whose friendships have disintegrated over social media posts. Mm-hmm. Not that different from what Harriet wrote. Yeah. No, I can. I definitely see. Yeah, where you're coming from with that, and I agree. And I, I never, I didn't think about it in those ways. But yes, I can definitely see that. What this reminded me of actually is I'm going to make a reference that I'm assume you've never seen. Mean Girls. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I've heard There's that it's good. The the burn book from Mean Girls, where they write you know this one is purposefully mean things about like other people and like in this movie gets read Mm -hmm. that's the risk of having it i do think it's interesting that harriet's observations tend to be negative Mm -hmm. i'm like that tells us something about the character i'm not really sure what i can't put my finger on it well I i think the stuff about her classmates is all negative but Mm -hmm. like some of her larger observations like about the guy with the cats those aren't negative or even about, you know, the Hong fat family. They're not necessarily negative. No, it's not. That's true. And let's and, face it. Your classmates get on your nerves. In sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, yes, she, she maybe shouldn't have said that about her classmates, but she also never intended those to be read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more the way she handles it later that we'll get to yep. that I yep. think makes the situation more complicated. Yeah. Most importantly here, which we didn't even touch on, is that Sport and Janie hear what Harriet wrote about them. But I noticed that uh, Marion did some you know, creative editing there and only read the negative stuff because she also wrote positive stuff about them. That's true. But how like, human is it to focus on the negative things? The one negative oh, thing and a sea of positive things. True. But this was intentional. This is not Janie reading it and seeing the whole context of it. This mm-hmm. is Marion just reading the negative parts because she wants to turn Harriet's friends against her. That's right. So Harriet is in bed again. Her mom tries to check on her again, does as poor a job as the first time. Yeah, she has no golly to help. She has yeah. no friends. She's at a serious low point and it only gets worse. Yeah, her friends start giving her the silent treatment. They're passing notes. The mm-hmm. note says Harriet M. Welsh smells. Yeah, and then there's a long cleaning scene where she tries to clean herself up. Mm-hmm. The show was like, okay, which some, you know, to us, that's a silly insult. But mm-hmm. for a kid, you don't know what, especially if you're maybe going to puberty or something, or you've heard about, like, that they hit on that, that they've heard about these p- changes people might be going through. That's a more biting insult to a kid than to us. Although the cleaning sequence was long and it kind of got on my nerves how long it is, going back and thinking about it, I think the idea is to show that it cuts deep. Yep. Yeah. And that really bugged her. So she goes to confront Marion and Marion's like, we're not worried. We have a plan. And so she spies on them as they're carrying this gigantic like wooden box. Uh-huh. And from the box, they build a top secret clubhouse, the Spy Catchers Club. And <laughs> 
I like this a bit, actually, because anywhere where she was trying to do some spying to make her observations, they appeared and they're like calling attention to themselves. And so she can't do any of her observations. This is actually classic counterintelligence. Yes, it is. But I was confused by what they were doing at first, because the way it's introduced is she's sitting there and then all of a sudden these kids wearing like hockey masks (laughs) jump. I thought it was going to be in like bad backs. They were going to like start beating her up. And it yeah, was they so have scary. like garbage can lid, like metal garbage can lids, and like making noise. Right. I don't mean to be overly critical, but I oh kind boy. of feel like having a clubhouse that feels like something out of Peanuts. It doesn't feel like something sixth graders would do, but eh, whatever. I've already made my point about that. Okay. So at one point, also when sneaking onto a roof, she gets yeah. caught by a police officer, and the police officer brings her home. Her parents start to get concerned. <laughs> finally but she hits them back she's like i seen you guys in your big martinis when you get home i was like oh my god are they like alcoholics is that what this movie is saying i mean it seems like the mom just has a martini when she gets home that's not an alcoholic that's just someone who likes martinis basically you've chosen spies over friends like she says that earlier but yeah. now she can't spy anymore but she actually takes it pretty well i thought she was going to be more upset parents make her stop writing at her notebooks and then says that her teacher will be checking so that if she has any notebooks when she gets to class next, her teacher does like a full on pat down, <laughs> like looking for notebooks. Yeah, I actually thought that was pretty funny. It's funny, but also kind of like, really? Like, what? What? This seems. Yeah. First of all, in sixth grade, I remember you had to have like a composition notebook to write down stuff that you were doing in class. Well, in this case, it's comedic effect. Yeah. I also have a note here. So is Eartha Kitt going to come back at some point or what? (laughs) I was, no, it's pretty much just a cameo, I think. As it turns out, yes. So the next scene, the paint scene, I thought was pretty darn interesting. Okay. Rachel, which is like Marion second in command. Yep. Accidentally on purpose spills paint on not accidentally. Harriet. You don't think it was accidentally? Oh but then, no, there was whispering going around and all that sort of stuff. That was completely intentional. Okay, but then everyone goes to start helping her get cleaned up, and it was ambiguous at this part whether they were actually helping her or whether they were making it worse. From her they perspective, were making it, worse. it looked like they were making it worse, but it was unclear whether it was like a yeah. was unreliable narrator. Are they actually making it worse or does she just think they're making it worse? Okay, you know I mean? but then we go to Marion who dumps more. Yeah. Like at that point, I was like, okay, yes, it was a little unclear. But when Marion dumps more paint, I was like, oh no, this is all on purpose. As it turns out, yeah. And I was sort of sympathetic to Marion up until this point. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, she was a fun character to hate or be annoyed with, but I didn't really get uh, get pissed off at her until that point. I was like, whoa, wow. So she slaps Marion and has like a Marion has like a big blue mm. handprint on her face after that. This whole situation is escalating pretty darn fast. Yeah. And admittedly, Marion and her buddies escalated it more. Mm-hmm. But then Harriet escalates it way, way, way too far. Well, we'll get we'll get to there. So yeah. she runs Harriet runs home, jumps in her ginormous tub. <laughs> See, that was something that was interesting, by the way. I know you were talking yeah. about Marion being pretentious about being rich, but Harriet's pretty well off too. True. But she didn't necessarily like She's try to make a big deal, deal about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. And we have the class reading Hamlet. I did not read Hamlet in sixth grade. I think it's because they wanted it to be like a really boring lecture. Also, the kid performing Hamlet looks like a Weasley. I have that <laughs> noted. There's also but, a funny line. I have plenty of favorite quotes, so I'm going to use okay. one here. One of the kids says, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> so Harriet is carving the names into her desk, which remind me a bit of Arya Stark names on her revenge list. Yeah, she has her enemies list and she's carving it into the <laughs> table like well, desk vandalism. To be fair. She doesn't have a notebook she can write this down in. I'm surprised she didn't get in trouble for vandalizing a desk, because that's like <laughs> some serious stuff. Eh, she also didn't seem to get in trouble for slapping uh, Marion, now that I think about it. Not that we've heard, anyways. Yes. So next we go to a different class, and they're watching... They had the girl-to-woman video. This is the boy-to-man video. And as mm-hmm. they're watching, Harriet cuts, I think it's the character Laura's hair. Oh my like, god! Cuts off her ponytail. <laughs> that's ah. assault! That's like an actual crime. Is it? I think so. Ah. Don't get me wrong. That's 
terrible. I didn't know it was an actual crime. Yeah. I mean, cutting someone's hair without permission, I'm pretty sure would qualify as some kind of assault. So she basically goes on like a revenge spree here. She vandalizes yep, yep. a locker. She steals some kid's underwear, runs up the flagpole. No, uh, it's her bra. It's the kid who threw boobs over the summer. Yeah. Janie, she ruins her experiment. The, the worst was what she says to Marianne. No, the worst oh. is what she says to Marianne. Yeah. And I wrote it down. She says, Jeez. you don't have a father. He hasn't seen you in three years because he doesn't love you. Yikes. Holy shit. That is absurdly mean. I mean. Let's talk about this at this point. <laughs> Do you feel like Harriet is an easy character to sympathize with? Because I would say no. Mm, okay. For us, maybe not. As a uh-huh. kid who may have been bullied in the past and who would lo- have loved to get his revenge on people who bullied him. I can see that. The thing is, and this is such a common thing in school where the line between who's the bully and who's the bully victim is not so clear because both yeah. Marion and Harriet go after each other pretty darn hard. Fair enough. But I'm going to push back slightly on just on the, who's the bully and who's the victim thing, uh-huh. because I would say in my personal cases, it was always very clear who was the victim. Right. I respect that, but I'm talking about in this movie. Okay, yes, yes. In this movie, yes. I'll, I'll give you that, yes. For adults watching this, okay, maybe she's not sympathetic. But mm. for a kid, I can see them relating to her. Well, if only I knew some kids, I could ask them, but I, <laughs> but I don't. Well, didn't you read the book? Haven't you read some of the book? We're going to talk yeah. about that later. Yeah. I sort of got the impression from reading the book synopsis and then watching the movie that Harry is not meant to be the most sympathetic character in the world. I think she's supposed to be a kid who is human mm-hmm. and has flaws and learns a lesson from the experience in the movie. Mm-hmm. During when she was hanging outside the window and hanging out with Sport later, and he like posed for a photo, like he was cleaning up with an apron and he mm-hmm. like jokingly curtsied in, in that photo. Harriet like posted that photo all over the school. Yeah, which is like, what? Like, it's one thing to say something mean to Marianne in like a fit of rage, but this required premeditation. Well, yeah, so did everything else. I don't know whether this was supposed to be funny, but okay. I found it a little bit funny is she's putting them up and then Sport just walks up to her and, <laughs> and they like stare still... <laughs> at each other. The scene cuts, which I hate in movies where something really important happens and then they just cut the film. It's like, what happened? I assume he stormed off. At this point, it's known that they're not talking and that he's part of the spy catchers club and all that. So we don't need to see that confrontation. I assume the confrontation would just been like glaring and then storming off. And then limited to that. Yeah. Yeah. Harriet's crying at home. Her parents are like, what is going on here? Yeah. So apparently they've gotten calls from every parent except one. And then the phone rings. It's like, that's probably them. Mm-hmm. Harriet throws an object at one of her parents at one yeah. point. I was like, oh my gosh. The parents are like, they have a shouting match. Yeah, she like screams, I'm fine. So they sent her to a child shrink. Excuse me, it's child psychologist. (laughs) Shrink is so dated. Okay. I mean, you know where where it was really popular? In the 90s. I'm sure that it was. And also the 80s, which is why Counselor Troy is a bridge crew on (laughs) Star Trek The Next Generation. So... We get Harriet hanging out at the, the psychiatrist's office, and it's like, what are we supposed to do? And he says, do you play chess? I was like, oh boy, if we have chess in here, Zach's going to throw a hissy fit. I actually didn't mind it if they had done it, and they didn't do it. But I think the reason why I didn't mind it was because I'm a sucker for psychology scenes in TV shows and movies. Okay. I really like where you have a character like most recently in Ted Lasso is a good example of yeah, this. Oh, yeah, that's a very good one. Who idea. like calmly talks to our heroes and really figures out what's going on with them. I actually really like it and I'll probably never get sick of it. <laughs> okay. He reveals he has a whole thing of different games and mm-hmm. they settle on playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yeah. So they play and he loses and she says, you stink. <laughs> and he writes it down and I was waiting for an explanation of what that meant. We never got it. Hmm. So I got my own theories. Oh, no. Basically, like, that she's kind of a little shit. That's the theory. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that would be his professional diagnosis. (laughs) And we find out that it is not later. So he's talking with her. And well, as you brought up him, you know, writing his notebook. And she talks about how she got in trouble for writing mean things in her notebook. He says, do you want one? And so she actually gets to write. Mm-hmm. To write stuff, writes, you know, 
positive stuff about the psychiatrist. Don't really get a conclusion to the scene other than her parents walking out with her and saying, well, what do you say? He said you're perfectly good, perfectly fine young woman and that you'll be a great writer someday. And that's the diagnosis. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Which it doesn't really explain why she's not getting along with everybody. But maybe it's something outside of his purview. I wanted to mention here is, did you ever have like a diary or a journal as a kid? Yeah. Okay. I did not. And people kept trying to get me to to make one, especially Uh, when we would go on like trips or have something really memorable. But uh I never had the patience to like write down what happened. I mean, so my school basically, well, we had every English class we had, we did journaling. Mm-hmm. And so every day you had to talk, write about the, whatever the topic on the board was. So I got very used to just writing, and it was, nice. and so it was very good. Yeah, it is. If you want to be a writer, it's not bad advice to just write about what's going on around the in the world around you. Don't be mean about it, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. good advice to get yourself to think about things around you and how the world works, and you know, characterization and people's motivations. Yeah how to string a sentence together. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting how Harriet, the only kid who you want her to stop writing in her journal, every other kid you're trying to get her to do it. <laughs> I don't know that we necessarily want her to stop. We just want her to be more tactful about what she writes. But more again, like again, yeah. we also just, this is not something that was for public consumption. This is her. I don't want people to read what I wrote in my journals or diaries. No. Yeah. Totally reasonable. Her mom gives her her notebook back and mom admits that they made a mistake and taking it away because that's you know that was her coping mechanism Mm -hmm. she asks her mom to tuck her in (laughs) a thawing of relations you might say yeah so she's playing with a fortune teller with her dad and he reveals that golly is behind her golly is here to help with this situation yeah apparently your parents cannot she says what you have to do is you have to apologize and lie, and you're not going to like that. So oh. this scene was interesting because mm-hmm. Golly is like, you need to tell a little lie that makes people feel better. I'm not sure you're going to see that in kids' movies a lot, encouraging the use of white lies, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But I also feel like Golly was telling Harriet to say she was sorry, even if she didn't mean it, because <laughs> Harriet like isn't sorry. She doesn't seem to I have any remorse on what she did. About- her friends, at least. Uh-huh. I mean, even in the scene where they're re- reading the stuff, she knows that her friends are not going to take that well. Yes. And so she, she I mean, she feels bad about writing that about them. Everyone else, less so. Okay, so I guess that's where the lie is. Like, you, yeah. you lie to Marion, you don't lie to Sport and Jeannie, <laughs> is the idea. But yeah, so she goes to visit Janie, accidentally ruins her experiment well does she i don't think that was her fault i think that was just happened as she was there i mean she didn't intentionally do it but she did ruin it but the thing is the experiment apparently involves some kind of acid (laughs) so maybe genie shouldn't be doing it anyway yeah genie kicks her out of her room and like harriet tries to apologize to the door but it doesn't really take it doesn't appear that way now she goes again to spy on sport and his dad we find out that his dad Got a big paycheck of $10,000, but he does not accept her ap- apology as she tries to do it through the door again. Yeah, she is unforgiven. That would have been a good title for the movie. Would it, though? <laughs> yeah, um, she also says that around here, she has nothing left to lose. Holy cow. I mean, when you're a kid, the stakes to us seem low, but to them are quite high. No, I actually was with her at this point because yeah. she's lost her spying. She's lost her friends. Golly is not sticking around. Yeah. So things are low again. So at the Spy Catchers Club, there's division in the ranks, <laughs> uh, especially since Marion and Rachel are hoarding the big pieces of cake where everyone else gets the scraps. Failure of leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Sport and Jeannie decide to leave. And then in class, Harriet asks the teacher if they can split the jobs of class president and editor of the paper. But someone, seemingly other than Harriet, needs to nominate another candidate to be editor. And this is when we see here first hear the kid with the purple socks talking. He says that Harriet's a good writer and that he'd listen to other voices. And apparently this classroom needs Robert's rules of order because she need, he needs a nomination and a, and a second. Yeah, student government seems so important at the time. It's funny. <laughs> Everyone basically is behind Harriet being editor, and then everything is cool, and I don't understand why. 
Um, well, I mean, I think, well, first of all, that was the, you introduced the idea that Harriet was sorry to those mm. two friends. And mm. then they also remember that Marion is still terrible. That's true, but I guess I just so don't understand. more, and then, like, if, it, if you notice, though, Janie and Sport decide to second as, like, sort of a thawing of it. But when they're doing the voting, they're f- some of the last people to raise their hands. Well, sure. But I don't have a problem with that. I'm just confused why all of the kids are voting for Harriet to become editor. Like, why has their opinion about her changed? Because they realize that Marion's still terrible to listen to. Marion never went up to anyone and said, your father doesn't love you. Okay? Fair. I could easily see the most of the kids being like, I'm not involved. You both kind of suck. Well, if you look at it, it wasn't counted, but I did like, look, is there anyone not voting for Harriet? And there were some. More than just Rachel and Marion. There was like a whole row of students who were not voting. It's just unfortunate that this is such a pivotal scene that kind of wraps up the whole story. And I just needed some kind of explanation for why it happened the way it did. Hmm. That's all. I know in these kids' movies, they love making like a big grand gesture. So Harriet could have made like a big grand gesture, like stood up in front of everyone and been like, I messed up, guys. I didn't really mean it. Well, that's what I'm we sorry. get next, basically. So yeah. she starts running up her part of the school paper. She mm. uses a typewriter, which, okay, around this era, did did your family have a typewriter at home? Sure. Yeah. It was pretty old. I don't think we used it oh. much, but we I did guess have maybe because my dad was a lawyer, so we had them around. Mm-hmm. So when Carolyn watches, she was like, wait, who had a typewriter in 1990? I, I used a typewriter, sure. Sure. They all had but, electric typewriters, too, yeah, yeah. that ran a little bit better, mm-hmm. but still. They were around, yeah. But yeah, so she has her column, which is called Seen and Heard by Harriet M. Welsh. We find out that George was not stealing food, but he was actually giving food to seemingly homeless kids or poor kids. Seemingly, yes. Find out that the cat guy got another cat. And then she also prints a retraction, writes about all the things that got out in the notebook, writes nice things about Janie and sport. We see the school play where Marion (laughs) is a dancing gravy boat. Yeah, and it's terrible. and Everyone's (laughs) really bored. But then they switch up the music and make it to everyone, particularly the our main three are dancing to the music. And then the stink bomb goes off. The whole dancing to the music thing was such a 90s way to end a movie. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and that's the end. And that's it. And then they all lived happily ever after, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> all right. So now it is time for our spy fact versus fiction. I have a little bit before Christian gets into differences between the movie. For those of you who have not listened to our micro dot episode called Vengeance, which is before Munich, they talk about (laughs) how as part of his training, he would go to an airport and just sit there and observe where people came Uh, in, where people came out, flight attendants, staff, basically just observe everything. So that's what this movie reminded me of quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, like we said that this is based on a book, from 1964 by Louis Fitzhugh. As I said before, it is the first movie by Nickelodeon. I got through about half of the book before I ran out of time. It's pretty faithful. Like all, A lot of her notes are almost verbatim from the book. Mm-hmm. I one, big, the, one of the subtle differences was that the Hong Fat grocery store is an Italian grocery store in the book. Golly is called Old Golly for some reason. And yeah. there's like a subplot about Janie and Harriet going to dancing school. Yeah, it's like a subplot about yeah. that, basically. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but also you kept mentioning Disney, so there was a Disney Channel original movie, otherwise known as a DCOM, for those who you know grew up watching the Disney Channel. <laughs> I called... think I mentioned Disney once, by the way. I just wanted to put you, that on the record. A few times you mentioned it a few <laughs> times, but there was a reboot called Harriet the Spy: Blog Wars that came out mm. in 2010, starring Jennifer Stone from the show Wizards of Waverly Place. And it is much more focused on internet culture because it was made in 2010. Also, there is an Apple Plus animated show which was released in November 2021 with Beanie Feldstein voicing Harriet the Spy. Wow, that's like breaking news. That's yeah. really well, recent. I mean, it will be, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what I've got for spy fact versus spy fiction. All right, now it is time for some favorite quotes. I thought this movie was pretty well written and pretty quotable. So why don't you go first? Because I have a lot of favorite quotes. I've got, let's see, good friends are one of life's blessings. Don't give them up without a fight. I also like the back and forth between Golly and Harriet where, you know, Golly is like, what's a high pressure job? 
It's when you d don't get to do what you want, and when you do, you don't have time to do it. Do spies <laughs> have high-pressure jobs? Only when they're caught. Which is 100% not true. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I got. I like all the funny ones. Uh, there was one that was like, if I were known only by my footwear, I'd hang myself, which is such an escalation. Yeah. I also liked, I am the suckiest spy on Earth. <laughs> Being brought home by the cops is a big deal, Harriet. <laughs> yep. A couple more. We're getting calls from parents, everyone except for the Stricklands. They're either furious or terrified. Phone rings. I'm not answering that. <laughs> And then finally, the psychologist says, don't you play games at home? And Harriet says, yes, but I'm 11. Okay, that is all I have for quotes. So it's time for our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being Avengers 1997, and 10 being even better than No Time to Die. How do we feel about Harriet the Spy? All right, well, you want to go first or should I go? Yeah, I can go first. So the movie is 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So going and expecting it to be pretty bad. I don't feel like Harry is the most sympathetic protagonist, as we discussed. And I didn't really like that the first half of the movie, I don't want to say it wasted my time, but it, <laughs> it wasn't as efficient with the storytelling as I would have preferred. So it's not like a great movie, but the themes that we talked about before, I thought were actually pretty darn interesting. So I'm not going to be too harsh. I'm going to give it a four out of 10 martinis. Okay. So I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to go just a five. That's average. I think, you know, yes, you might have felt a waste of your time. But again, we got to remember who this audience is. It is four kids, those third, fourth, fifth graders, most of whom were not watching Mission Impossible at 11 years old, being so confused by the twists and turns. They're watching more kid-friendly fare like this, which lets them build the world around them, immerses them in this world of all these things happening on so that, yes, maybe it's not relevant for the plot, but it lets them feel like they live in this world and gives them a lot of stuff that they can enjoy. So, I mean, it was average. I thought it was fine. Not a lot of spying going on. Well, I mean, okay, not a lot of real world spying going on. There was <laughs> a lot of observation, some misdirection, which I enjoyed. But yeah, so it's average. Sounds great. Well, that is the end of our month of Harriet's from Harriet to Harriet <laughs> the Spy. And we will see you next time for the imitation game, correct? Yes, that is coming up next, and we'll have a special guest who will be revealed shortly. But it's going to be a good one. You're going to be excited. Yeah. All right. So thank you for joining us for this episode. You can find us on social media at The Spy Fi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are The Spy Fi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.